0: The reading is Isaiah 43, verses 1-10. to But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together, and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right, so that others may hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after.
1: Secration as we come to the Word of God today may indeed be a lamp for our feet and a light for our path as we seek to follow Christ in the whole of our lives. Well, thank you so much, Grace, for, for that reading, and um, thank you again for the opportunity to share this chapel service series with you on revolutionary work. Uh, this is the third. Uh, talk in the series. Uh, Two weeks ago we looked at the place of work in God's heart and purposes for the world, seeing in Genesis 1 a God who went to work, who created, who brought order out of chaos, beauty, joy, provision, released potential, who created a context where human beings could flourish. And last week we explored what fruitfulness at work might look like, modelling godly character, making good work, ministering love and grace, moulding the culture around us, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice and a messenger for the gospel. Well, uh, today in the final uh, talk in the series we come to Isaiah 43 and the question of identity. At work. Now often when we put together identity and work we find ourselves in a problem zone and for good reason. There's lots of evidence that many many working people find their identity primarily through their work. In other words their sense of significance and value is totally wrapped up in who they are at work and indeed with the work itself that they do. And that can be true even when it's good work that needs to be done, that makes makes a positive difference in the world. Even in such situations, there is a risk that our identity gets wrapped up in our performance, the social status that work confers on us. And of course it can lead to such things as workaholism, psychological enslavement, and so on. And of course, Christians aren't immune to this. We don't live in a vacuum. We live in a culture which can do this to us too. And as many people have, we too may have our own internal vulnerabilities, which can put us at risk of building our identity around work. Now the Christian gospel is good news for us in this. We know that our salvation is not by works, it is not performance dependent. Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I am not saved because I'm a good person or because I do good works. I'm rescued from death. I'm rescued for life because in love God has freely chosen so to do. Grace, not works. And therefore, you and I are valued. Our worth is secure. Our significance is affirmed because it is God who says, I'm worth it. You're worth it. We are significant. And that is in full knowledge of what we are truly like. He is the ultimate validator of our identity, not our society nor our work context. So I then choose this passage in Isaiah 43 uh, to help us reflect on our identity at work. But I'd like to draw your attention to verse 10 that we've just heard read to us. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. You are my witnesses, you are my servant, declares the Lord. Well, that's not so surprising, is it? If we follow Christ, and expect, we expect in some way to be signposts for others to the Lord. If we follow Christ and seek to imitate him, we expect to be servants, to serve others, to love our neighbour as ourselves. The surprise might be that uh, we can imagine ourselves doing that at work. But as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, our work does matter to God and we have opportunity to be fruitful at work in all kinds of ways the real surprise is in the so that. We are witnesses and we are servants, declares the Lord, so that you may know me, so that you may believe me, so that you may understand who I am. I find that extraordinary. That this is what the Lord the king of the universe declares to be of supreme importance to him. That we know and trust him and that we understand him deeply. Of course, God is God and we are not. But it is God's intent that one day we will know him fully. 1 Corinthians 13, in that great passage on love, Paul writes this. Now we see but a poor reflection then... We shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am known. We are chosen so that we may know him fully. And just as we get to know people as we encounter them, do life with them, work with them, so we get to know God in the living of our lives, the whole of our lives. And that includes at work. So I want to very briefly unpack these verses in Isaiah 43. And then I want to suggest two particular implications for us in relation to work and our identity. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. But now suggests that something radical has happened. Just a few verses earlier in chapter 42, the people of Israel have been described as the covenant servant of the Lord, the one entrusted with the message of God for the world. And they have failed spectacularly. Who is blind like my servant and deaf like the messenger I send, God asks provocatively. What an indictment. Who more than a servant needs keen eyesight to detect the master's faintest direction? Who more than a messenger needs sharp hearing to catch every syllable of the master's message? But my servant Israel is blind, says the Lord. My messenger Israel is deaf. But now, We read in Isaiah 43, the Lord saying to the very same people, you are my witnesses, you are my servant whom I have chosen. So what happened? Did Israel suddenly get their act together? Did they repent so deeply that God started to see them differently? No at the very end of chapter 42 we have Isaiah reporting that despite God's rebuke and the consequences of that in war and destruction they did not take it to heart. They didn't listen. They didn't change. So what happened? Isaiah 43.1 Fear not, God says to his people, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have Called you by name. You are mine. I have redeemed you, I've called you, God declares, not because you got your act together or were worthy or are now worthy in any sense, but because I the Lord desire this. I the Lord choose to. Because I created you and I love you. I call you by name, He says. I summon everyone who is called by my name. We're reading the parallel verse in verse 7. These people whom I formed and made. In God's world, failure does not have the last word. Love does. Grace does. What happened was that God, in his sovereignty and love, acted to save his people and so anticipates the comprehensive salvation that he will enact through Jesus Christ. So verse 1. Saved by grace because God says we're worth it. He is the one who validates our identity, who bestows value on us. So, says the Lord, fear not, you're mine, and I will preserve you. Verse two, God doesn't say there won't be floods or forest fires, but he says he will be with us in the midst of that, in the midst of trials. The most frequent command in the Bible is is fear not. Over 300 times, two of them in this passage. Fear not, for I am with you, verse 1 and 2. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, verse 5. Whatever the world looks like, the presence of God changes everything for those who will avail themselves of his presence and power. So we are saved by grace. We are preserved through his presence. And now, he says, verse 3 and 4, we are honoured In his sight. For I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, he says. No price is too high to pay for the redemption of my people, since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, people in exchange for your life. No price is too high. It wasn't ultimately Egypt or Nubia that God gave in ransom for his own son, his life, a ransom for many. Precious, honoured, loved. Where do we use that kind of language most often ourselves? Or well, usually with the people who are closest to us, the family who matter. And so we come to verse 6 Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Before a watching world, as we see in verse 9, he declares of the people whom he loves, whom he has rescued and calls by name. The Lord declares, these sons and daughters, these are my witnesses whom I've summoned. These are my servants whom I've chosen. They reveal me in the world. They will serve my purposes in the world. And in so doing, they will come to know me deeply. Trust me completely and truly understand who I am. This is the identity that God confers on us. Sons and daughters of the Lord of all. Rescued people who are deeply loved and who are now wonderfully wrapped up into the family business as
0: it were.
1: I guess many of us um, have a job description somewhere, Um, job title, role responsibilities perhaps and if not we certainly have lanyards with ID cards that says something about us John Smith strategic planner or Jane Stevenson a researcher member of parliament analyst engineer barista clerk of works executive assistant whatever imagine what would happen if you were to amend your job description just slightly to be son of my heavenly father daughter of the king of the universe who is currently also a strategic planner, researcher, MP, analyst, engineer, barista, clerk of works, executive assistant. What happens when you come to work first as a child of God? Precious. Honoured in his sight. How would you see your work differently? How would you see yourself differently? What would you be liberated from what would you have fresh energy for? What would a good day look like now? Judith is the um, head teacher of a, a primary school. Um, on a very cold February day, a Monday morning, she turned up at work to discover that the heating had broken and several hundred small children were about to arrive. That was how her day began. And her day ended with a very angry child making things very difficult. A troublesome child who'd been troublesome rather too often before and so reluctantly she'd had to exclude him. It's not something any head likes to do. And that was how her day ended. Not the best days at work. But when she got home after what was really a rather grim day, after a day when she might well have been justified in having a mega whinge or soothing herself with a glass or two of medicinal wine or a large tub of quadruple chocolate ice cream, something strange happened. And as she put it herself, she said, I found myself thanking God for trusting me with all this. It was for her a completely different way of seeing her daily context. God trusted her. As God trusted Moses with the Israelites. These were the people that God had given her to love. These were the challenges he was expecting her to handle with him. Her identity, first and foremost, rooted her in her relationship with God as her Heavenly Father. And so even the tough days at work could be seen differently. So, firstly, what would it look like for you to come to work first and foremost as a child of God, knowing that God trusted you with the things of your day? And secondly, what might your relationship with God look like at work as a consequence? Here's an example from the life of a Project manager. Meredith. Meredith was stuck, in fact, the whole project was stuck. Not stuck because a contractor hadn't turned up or had gone bust. Not stuck on the construction of the seawall or the escalade or the regeneration of the seafront or the construction of the shops, all of that was part of the project. No, the the whole multi-million pound regeneration project couldn't be completed, because none of the highly competent major contractors that Meredith knew could figure out how to stick some granite plaques to the sea wall. Now the granite plaques weren't just there for decoration. They were there to carry the words that told the history of the town to make sense of the whole project for the townspeople and for the visitors alike. So the project couldn't be completed until the plaques were up. And Meredith had run out of options. Then it occurred to her something radical, a way to approach the problem that she'd never tried for something like this, something small, really every day. Meredith, this experienced, highly compen- competent, godly senior project manager, decided to pray. Now she prayed, call it coincidence if you like, an idea popped into her head. Yellow pages, a directory of business listings. And there it was, in the yellow pages. Sign-makers. Sign-makers, she thought, know how to stick things to things. And she called them up. Yes, said the man, we know how to do things like that. In fact, we've recently done something similar, just 15 miles down the coast. So it came to pass that the granite plaques were fixed to the seawall, and the project was completed. And it's fair to say that Meredith's prayer life changed forever. She realised that God, this, the creator of all things, did care about the little things that she did each day, the things she did at work. And now she finds herself pretty much praying, praying about everything, and things happen too often to call it coincidence. You are my witnesses declares the Lord, my servant whom I've chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. You are my witnesses to how God works in the world, including the world of work. You are my servants getting done what God wants done in the world, that contributes to human flourishing. Bringing order out of chaos, releasing potential, providing for needs, bringing beauty and joy—all the things that we looked at in Genesis one—being fruitful in these things in many and different ways. Our identity is secure. Our significance is assured. And in amongst all of this, might the desires of God's own heart also? realize through our working life that we come to know him and believe him and understand who he truly is for we don't discover him we don't come to know him in a vacuum we discover him we come to know him and trust him in the midst of doing life consciously dependent on him in the thick and thin of the day seeking his insights for the situations that we face the decisions We have to take asking to see as he sees, to speak as he might speak, allowing the Spirit of God who dwells in us to release the life of Christ through us, wherever we are and whatever we do. What a beautiful revolution. We don't have to find external validation through our work or anything else. We don't have to root all inside ourselves and discover who we truly are. We know who we are. We know whose we are. You are my sons and daughters, he says in verse 6. Precious, honoured, loved. Verse 4. We belong to him. We know what we're here to do. God validates our identity and day by day by day, in and out of work, He invites us to know Him and trust Him, to understand Him more deeply as we do life consciously with Him. Laudable, revolutionary work indeed. Shall we just pause to pray together? Father God, it is most awesome invitation to come to know You. And uh, we pray for one another, that as we are doing what we do, as we are witnesses and servants of you and your purposes, so also the desire of your heart might be realised in each of our lives, with each one of us, that we may come to know you more deeply. And we ask that because we know it pleases you, and we ask it because we know that in answering this prayer for us. You will indeed help us to be those witnesses and servants whom you called us to be. So we ask that in Jesus' name.